Greetings, dear friends. Today in the Alatra TV studio we have the esteemed Igor Mikhailovich Danilov. Greetings. And Jana. Greetings. After the previous video, people had a lot of questions. Some people understand that it is necessary to unite. But they ask themselves the question, but how to do that and what to start with? Other people do not understand why unite at all and what unification is in real life, while others are interested in the prospects of such unification and specific stage-by-stage -stage steps of its implementation in the current situation. So today we would like to talk about this and to sort out the issues which people have on the topic of unification. The point here is that People don't understand what unification is for and with what purpose, as I understand. Yes. And what unification is in general and what it has to do with the creative society. I see. Let's try to answer. Yes, the first question is as follows. My friends and I understand that we need to unite. But in what way? Because nowadays, if people unite, it's mostly on a short-term basis, on personal interests or to earn money. And what is the benefit for people? And is there actually any benefit for people in the creative society? In building the creative society. In building the creative society. Let's begin with the fact that it's impossible to build a creative society without unification of people. And here we need to differentiate it correctly. Because however strange it may seem, the unification of people in building the creative society takes place based on a consumerist format. I mean, the creative society should be built so that we get away from the consumerist format which exists today, which promotes, supports and contributes to the development of all low qualities of a human being. Therefore, we have wars, lies and deceit all around. That is why every person, everyone, I emphasize, whoever he is in this world, he is in an uncertain state, he has virtually no guarantee of tomorrow. And this is true. Nobody is confident in tomorrow, except a foolish or too naive person. While in reality it is so. Therefore, the consumerist format is outliving itself because a man is a wolf to a man here. It turns out to be such a creation, let's say, of a lifestyle, according to the laws of the wolf pack. Or even worse, there is even more order in a wolf pack than among people today. That is true. Everyone is concerned only about how to make money, how to cheat, how to survive, and the like. Such is life nowadays, and such is the format. Therefore, wars occur because a small group of people, or most often one person, due to his greed and pridefulness, is the reason for many wars. Why? He wants to take what belongs to others. He needs someone else's territories and someone else's funds. Therefore, wars begin. So everything goes the way it has been for the last 6,000 years and is only getting perfected and even not that much. It is clear that now we are entering a time which is, let's say, not so good. And we have two options ahead. Either we build a creative society, or we destroy one another. That's not a scary story. That's reality. In the previous video we discussed climate, how serious everything is, that there is already a synchronization of negative climatic events. And this is already a new stage, very depressing and very upsetting, let's put it so. Therefore, building the creative society is 
the most promising and the only, let's say, opportunity for all humankind to survive, to survive peacefully, without destroying each other. And this has to be done. But for this the unification of people is essential. And the most interesting point here is that initial unification is built precisely on benefit, on personal benefit of everyone. There is still this pattern, the principles of consumerism that were brought up in people, still remain dominant. It's impossible to enter the ideal society from the consumerist format. It's unrealistic. Just imagine, if we take a fox and put it in a henhouse, what will happen? Trouble will happen. The same is here. Right, the same patterns will activate. Of course. So, when trying to transfer people who are brought up with this animal part rooted so deep inside, which predominates everywhere, in all spheres of present-day humanity, and to transfer this humanity into ideal society, this is absolutely unrealistic. It's like people say that for an ideal society you need ideal people. Absolutely right, but ideal people have to be brought up. And anyway, there should be some transition. That is why the most correct decision is and here's I will digress a little bit. Everyone is looking for a super idea now, a supranational idea, a uniting one. And no one has this idea, not in a single country of the world, and will not have. Because the only idea today is the idea of peaceful existence, the idea of what all people want. Isn't it so? It is. And what do all people want? All people precisely want the creative society. Perhaps we shall repeat that over the last years, probably it's about nine years, we've been working, volunteers all over the world carried out various surveys. There was Lagoda, then Alatra. There were various projects, and millions of people have really been surveyed in all parts of the globe, everywhere. And everyone wants the same thing. And based on what people really want, the eight foundations of the creative society have been built. It is people's desire, it is what they want, and this has to be done. However, during the implementation, those people who want to live in this creative society come up with a lot of questions. Yet there is plenty of misunderstanding. How to unite? What to unite for? And many people think that if we unite, then mindsets of the past get activated. Hence, we should unite our gardens, refrigerators, and pockets. As collectivization. Yes, total collectivization and integration. Sort of equalization that everything is unified and identical. For sure, of course. Revenues are equally split between everyone. Yes, this is what consciousness throws into us, by no means, my friends. There should be markets, there should be private property. And your refrigerator should remain your refrigerator. And nobody should get into your pocket, except when they put something there, however, by no means to take something out. These are the principles on which the creative society should be built, and people should unite. Then a question will arise, so what does unification mean? This is very simple, guys. Unification on the idea itself. Unification means that we jointly invest our attention in one goal, establishment of the creative society in order to 
improve our life first and foremost, and to ensure improvement of life, our children in general, our descendants, grandchildren and great-grandchildren, thus to leave the world for them, where there will be peace, where there will be social protection, where there will be confidence in tomorrow for every person. But in this world there won't be, let's say, these parasitic ideas. You cannot call them otherwise. After all, these ideas are thrown into our consciousness, that everything should be distributed equally, pardon me. One person works a lot, while another one does nothing. So what? Should we distribute equally? That's unfair. While the creative society is, first of all, the fairest and the most honest society, what is it distinguished for? We already discussed it, and we will repeat it here too. After all, a consumerist format is actually an order where a play with people's lives is going on. That's the first point. But even those who play with people's lives, their lives are also being played with. Moreover, in the consumerist format, let's say, all conditions are really formed for the vilest human qualities to predominate. This is encouraged and supported. They write one thing on paper, but in life something totally different happens, because those to whom we have delegated power say one thing, but act differently, and they create such conditions where all our low animal qualities flourish, hatred, anger, hate among brothers, and many other negative factors where everything originates from. There is sheer manipulation of consciousness, mass media are used for promoting negativity, and absolutely animal patterns are imposed on us. So this animal dominates over everything humane in us. Yet such conditions have been created, that human qualities in our, let's say, what should predominate, is an unfavorable state. Why? Because any manifestation of humane qualities provoke amazement in a crowd, and a person who lives by true and genuine altruism is regarded by the crowd as a mentally unhealthy person, that he wants something and wants to deceive. There are such mindsets. So, if a person really does something as a volunteer, does something for people, it means he's either insane or receives some benefit from that. In other words, most people don't even understand that such people do good in all sincerity, in their free time and at their own expense. There is even no understanding of this kind. Everyone looks for some benefit, lies and deceit. Why? Because everything humane has been destroyed. So, in the creative society, all beastly qualities must be suppressed and forbidden at the legislative level and at all other levels. But all humane qualities must be promoted and developed, and this is easy. That's the most significant difference. What does that give? We talked a lot about the creative society, about life improvement, confidence in tomorrow, and many, many other things. And we will talk more, maybe even today, about what benefits the creative society really gives to a person. I emphasize to every person on this planet, nobody should be poor. Moreover, nobody should be a beggar. Nobody should be oppressed. Why? Because it's in the first foundation of the creative society, where it is said that there is nothing more valuable than human life. And that's where everything should proceed from. But in order for us to build this creative society, we should all together, really all together, 
we should invest our attention in building this society and do what we can. And the most important thing at the first stage is to inform, and to inform all and everyone. Look, here's a simple example. If we agree that we want to live better, we want to live in a wonderful society where there are no enemies, where there is no need to be afraid of anyone, where we are confident in tomorrow, where there is no inflation, where there is no corruption and all sorts of negativity which is here. There is just no negativity, because we have eliminated it. We want to live in such a society. But for this, we merely need to inform all our acquaintances. It is necessary to ensure that no one in our environment, so to say, remains unaware that we can build a creative society, and we must build it. If we do that, the creative society will come, and it will come very soon. This depends on us. And on this very idea, we should unite. This will give us a tremendous benefit. Isn't that right? So what are we uniting on? On the idea of the creative. On, first and foremost, on the material benefit, the benefit for us and our descendants, say, whatever we leave to our children, whatever legacy or something else, we do not guarantee tomorrow for them. Why? Problems with healthcare, problems with peace in this world, problems with inflation and many other things. Thus, we leave our children, grandchildren and descendants in an extremely difficult situation, in the consumerist format. And this doesn't guarantee tomorrow for them at all, no matter how we try. Whereas if we leave the creative society to our descendants, this is a guarantee of tomorrow and the day after tomorrow for them. Isn't that wonderful? It seems to me it's wonderful. And for the sake of this, one should work a little bit, part with one's laziness and start talking to people. And here another point arises. People are afraid of speaking on this topic. Of talking. Again, the topic of what will they think about me. Now look, what will they think about me? I've started talking about the Creative Society. Yet what is bad about the Creative Society? Why we are not afraid to deceive each other or lie in order to get something, some benefit? After all, nothing will give more benefit to a human, any human, than building a Creative Society. Isn't it so? It is. And we are afraid to talk about this. Isn't it a paradox? And now look, my friends, for example, if we take the LGBT movement, we have nothing against it, everyone has the right to live their lives the way they want. In this case, we take it as a positive example that, for instance, 20 or 30 years ago, no one would even think that LGBT would be legally approved in many countries. And God forbid you say anything bad against them. It's a very small group of people in society, who have gained their rights, haven't they? And since they are already a minority, they must not be offended. Excuse me, my friends. It's a minority who have gained their rights on such a sensitive issue, they were not afraid to talk about it. Representatives of LGBT community are not afraid to talk about their problems and gain their rights, while you, my friends, are afraid to talk about the rights in terms of building the creative society. Isn't this funny? 
Not really. Actually, it is sad. Why is it sad? Because we are not used to defending our rights. And people have shown us an example, a living example of how even a minority can impose their rights on us all against our will. While you are afraid to talk about it with friends and acquaintances in order to make your children happy, in order for you yourself to live in happiness and joy, and not to worry about a penny. What if you lose it or fail to earn it? What will happen to your children? And if you get sick, get a serious disease? Will you have enough money to cure your body? And what if your child gets sick? Will you catch and ask on television, people help, God forbid? After all, you never know. In foreign hospitals, treatment of certain diseases is extremely expensive, and these prices are unaffordable for an average person, and people are forced to scrounge, beg and appeal. It's not shameful, is it? Well, to ensure that healthcare is accessible, free and equal all over the world, I apologize, I will digress a little bit. After all, I have spent most of my life in healthcare, and it's unclear to me, how is this possible? How is this possible that in a country parents are left alone with a health problem of their child? They have to sell everything, approach strangers with a request and literally beg them, help me to cure, to save my child. And how is this possible? that something which actually costs pennies, costs huge money in foreign hospitals. And why, pardon me, do we not have it in our country? And why is it not available for free? It doesn't concern just our country where we live, it concerns everyone around the world. Isn't that so? And it always turns out that in your country there are no methods and ways to treat one or another pathology for a very large number of children. This should not be the case in the creative society. Everything should be free of charge and available everywhere around. And all the advanced technologies should be available everywhere, in any part of the world, and absolutely free of charge for citizens. It's already a guarantee of something, right? The value of life is the most important thing. The value of life is the most important and the main thing. We have touched only on a small part, but the consciousness of many people will say, thank God, it won't concern us. There are so many counterfeit medications today. And if we take that very healthcare again, how many counterfeit medications are there in the consumer's format in which we exist nowadays? A lot. It's a simple example. It's all over the world, my friends. Even in the most advanced countries, there are very many medications that are not medicinal. This is mere counterfeiting. So, a person fell ill, God forbid, oncology or something extremely severe, and an extremely expensive treatment is required. And relatives, friends, they all gather, try to save the life of this person by medications at ridiculously high prices, medications that do not treat, that are empty shells. It's just that someone made a profit on that. And this is normal. For our society is normal, and everyone understands, yes, these are scoundrels, it's not good. But what is responsibility? Yes, in many countries there is a penalty or something else, or a minimal punishment for this. But it is actually a deliberate killing of a person, plus stealing from many people, isn't it so? Well, we've touched upon it just a little bit. What about counterfeiting of food products? 
Isn't it so? How many food products do not meet state standards, regulations and the like? It's just that somebody makes a profit. They counterfeit everything, but it severely affects our health. Various products are genetically modified or made improperly. There are harmless products that are genetically modified, but which will not cause health complications in the body, while there are ones that will cause uncontrolled mutations. And this is very poorly regulated, especially where it's possible to push through at least a little bit, it is pushed through a huge batches, and we end up eating it all. We do harm to ourselves, and this is normal. We cause harm to our children, and no one knows how it will affect our grandchildren and great-grandchildren. In other words, we are building a terrible world for ourselves. Well, such is the reality. So, in the creative society, this is unrealistic and impossible. Why? Because they say, how come it's impossible? After all, it exists now. Now it exists, because we have such a format. Because we do not value human life, either ours or someone else's. While in the creative society, the highest value is human life, including your life and the lives of your relatives and friends and all the people. That's the difference, my friends. And I think we should unite and start talking about it openly. After all, what we are talking about, about what improves our lives, what will fill our refrigerators, what will fill our pockets, and what will not overload us, like a pack horse, you see? And the work will become a joy. And this is possible. Many people will say, how is that? It's easy, my friends, easy. Everything is very simple. So, basically, when people are afraid that a new political order or something else will change, everyone is afraid of losing something. This is not a political order. Can anything be lost? We say it once again, that the creative society cannot be a political order or something else, no. It's a complete absence of any political orders. Politics is control over people. It is manipulation. And as Jackie said, I mean, artificial consciousness. Politicians are professional liars. He made a good conclusion back then. Guys, no offense, but it is really so. That's why there should be no power over a person in the creative society at all. No one has the right to have any kind of power over other people. And this should be enshrined in law and not just enshrined in law, we should support it. Why? I'll explain to you in a simple way, my friends. No matter what kind of a person we take, the best, the most… the most enlightened, the kindest, the most spiritual, and put him above us by giving him power, he will become just the same as everyone else, and very quickly, very quickly. Even if the most spiritually enlightened person stands the test of power, then his successor will certainly become the same as all the rest. In any case, people who surround this spiritual and enlightened leader will become the same as those who rule this world now. It's the law of nature. The most important and the main thing when building the creative society is to be honest, to know all the most negative qualities of a human being, to openly recognize it all, 
and to take it all into account when building it. To create this society in such a way that it would be impossible for anyone to manifest low and worst qualities, especially in those positions where there is responsibility before society, then everything will be fine. That is, if a person is appointed to a certain position to coordinate some activities, economics or something else, he should have no power, people should have power. But this person must bear responsibility, and we should create such conditions for his work, where he cannot become the same scoundrel as the ones who are many nowadays. Right? We have to recognize that this entire negativity of ours is a problem, first of all, in us and in society. It's impossible to get rid of corruption. There are no countries in this world where there is no corruption. There are none. There are hidden, smarter forms of corruption. There is outright corruption. It doesn't matter, but corruption is everywhere. Everywhere politicians are fighting to come to power. For what? Why do they literally eat each other and force their way to the pinnacle of this power in order to help us? Are they such altruists? Do they love us so much? so that day and night they can stay awake and take care of their citizens. Guys, let's not be naive. Everyone understands perfectly well that all seek a better life. So, a better life should be available for everyone. However, by no means just for some individuals. Power should remain with people. And that's the entire meaning of the creative society. It should not be delegated to anyone. Otherwise, we will spoil this person. Right? Right. Well, this is the next stage. Well, at the first stage, even the first stage is informing. At the next stage, we will have to delegate power to someone. Even when building this creative society, after all, everything should be legal, everything should be absolutely honest, open, transparent, and most importantly, absolutely legal. For doing this, well, let's take the simplest model. This came up to me impromptu, and I will tell you what can be done. For example, the way I see it, let's imagine, let's assume that now we begin to tell everybody, to inform them that there is such a creative society, and if you are interested in it, join us. Well, who wouldn't want to? Who isn't interested? Well, who wouldn't want to join and live in a creative society? Any normal person wants. That is, we can safely say, 99% of the population want this. I took the bare minimum. This is what everyone wants, indeed. With few exceptions, those are, excuse me, people who are sick or who are already, how to put it, not quite healthy, both psychologically and the like, I mean, there can be such people, but it is one in thousands, while everyone else wants this. So, in order to build it, we need to pass the first stage. The first stage is to inform all and everyone, and when we inform people, they have a question, okay, but how do we know how many of us are, and what will be when and how? For this purpose, there is a platform on Alatra Unites, perhaps. We will show it to you right now. We will also show you how you can register there.
What does it give? It gives an idea of how many people in every country support the Creative Society. Right? Right. And when people visit the website, they register in a simple form and choose whether they support, not ready, or support and ready to cooperate and more. There are three questions. The country, yes, I support, I'm ready and I will. Yes, simply by registering your email address, which you can immediately think up or create a new one and register. That's not difficult. But this way the number of people is visible. So, for example, in a country where there is a certain number and across all countries we know how many people are eligible to vote in elections, meaning a lot depends on them, there is such an active electorate. And when more than 50% of the active electorate in a country supports the Creative Society, then we can already proceed to the second part. The second part, let's call it an electoral platform, meaning creating a certain website that people already visit, it is already specifically in a country, that people visit, and here they already need to actually register with their first and last names and some of their strictly personal… Some personal data. Personal data and sign in with passwords, so that no one else could log in. All this is very easy to do. So, this electoral platform already becomes the basis for further construction. What does it mean? This means that the electorate begins to elect for themselves those politicians who entirely and completely support the Creative Society, in other words, those who are going to build it, while others are not elected. And why would the electorate need others? Those who want to prolong the consumerist format and to be freeloaders. This is wrong. So, when people get into power, from the perspective of the Creative Society, through the electoral platform, there should be a certain agreement, for example, between the electorate and those very people who are granted the right to decide for people. And the first thing they should do is to adopt a law about the electoral platform, that it is entitled to revoke, to regulate, and that it represents a legislative base, and the deputies who were delegated by people are obliged to fulfill people's will, meaning what people say. That's what they will vote for. Basically, we spoke about it, God knows when, about such a possibility when establishing the Creative Society. We described this platform as well, but now we do it elaborately and in more detail. The second law they should immediately adopt is the incorporation of the eight foundations into their country's constitution. And if people do not comply, as soon as they get into power, the first laws they should adopt are as follows. The first is the electoral platform, the second is the incorporation of the eight foundations into the constitution of their country. If they fail to do that, this nation revokes its voices, meaning it organizes re-election in this country. And those whom people elected, to whom they temporarily delegated their power, just become the same people as everyone else. But it would be more correct if they answer before the nation for lying, for using this opportunity and not fulfilling what they promised. That's where it all starts. And then adoption of certain laws, decisions, and everything else begins. When the eight foundations are already in the Constitution, the rest is a mere formality. But when it is clear, I will digress a little again, that it is impossible to build a creative society in one single country. Guys, no matter how much we want it, 
Why? Let me explain it simply. Imagine a country where people have wanted to live like in a creative society, but all countries around remain in a consumerist format. Today, the economies of countries are all interconnected, consumerism is everywhere, while here there is a creative order. In other words, it is simply impossible to survive. Therefore, something out of these eight foundations can and should be implemented, of course, and people will be obliged to implement that. Plus, adoption of laws is already under people's control, and in the future there will be a gradual transition towards expanding the creative society depending on economy and conditions. At this point, people themselves should already look, keep track, choose and make decisions. Why? Because the electoral platform becomes the basis. I will explain what it means so as to make it clear. For example, once a week you get three or four laws that need to be reviewed, with several clauses and comments. It is not difficult to spend 15 or 20 minutes and vote yes or no. Many will say, a lot of people do not have access to the Internet. Yes, a lot of them. But this problem must be solved. Besides, it is not difficult to help your friends and acquaintances through the same gadget, let's say, through the same phone. For instance, a granddaughter or a grandson can visit their grandmother and register her. After all, she has the right to vote, doesn't she? Is that difficult? It's not. Explain, tell her, and the person makes a choice, but already logs in under her own codes through the phone of that very granddaughter or grandson and makes a decision. It shouldn't be the way it is today. Today we adopt many different laws and they say that this is a vital need. Why? Guys, let's speak honestly. In order to open the border for two days, so that one of the oligarchs could transport the cargo and then legally close it, isn't that so? Some temporary laws, some tricks, they say, everything flows, everything changes, yes. But there are fundamental laws that should not be adopted without people. Is that right? It's right. Meaning, it is by no means a referendum. Many people will say, it will be like during a referendum. It may result in bureaucracy, no bureaucracy whatsoever. Everything will be easy and simple, because we are all interested in this. And if we adopt the creative society, we must take responsibility when we decide for ourselves. But at first, yes, while building it still, there are politicians, there is a deputy, but a deputy, having adopted the law on the electoral platform, can no longer decide for people on his behalf, you understand? He can vote for himself as a person, but it's only one vote out of a million. However, he cannot make decisions that are advantageous for himself, for his chumps, friends and relatives. But disadvantageous for people who endowed him with power, he won't be able, because he merely fulfills people's will, as it should be. After all, in all constitutions of the world it is specified that all power belongs to the people. Isn't that so? It is. Therefore, power should belong to people, at least in the creative society, if we want that. Whereas, if we don't want it, we will not do that, right? Then we will remain as we are. It's our choice, people's choice. But if we want that, then it all will be done, legally as it should be, right? We shouldn't ruin anything before we build something new. So, a creative society should be built in such a way that first something new and good is built, and then something bad and old is ousted. But it shouldn't be that everything is destroyed and then something new is built. This shouldn't be done. First, we should provide something new and better, and then we can remove what is worse, right? So there is nothing complicated. Now let's go back and proceed. So when a country 
adopts the creative society and begins to introduce and develop it, then again propaganda to other countries takes place. And when the majority of countries, let's say developed countries, adopt the creative society, then it should be decided at the international level how to unite this majority of dominant countries. Even if a few countries remain in the consumerist format, it doesn't matter at all, they will be dragged into this wheel. But when the main economy of the world will adopt the creative society, then it will be developed all over the world, right? Right. Then and only then it is necessary to solve all the issues related to unification, economy and lots of other things. This can be, well, the consciousness of some people will say again, it'll take a long time. Guys, if we want this, it will happen very fast. Very, very fast. It depends on us, on each of us. And the first stage is very important — to talk to friends, acquaintances and the like, right? Yes. Informing is underestimated. We just take the phone, a simple example. We take the phone and look. Which of my friends doesn't know about the Creative Society? Who does not support it and why? And the only reason why he may not be supporting it is because you didn't explain and didn't tell him. And it turns out that you want a Creative Society, you want to live in a good, chic and beautiful world, but you deprive yourselves of this opportunity because you haven't informed someone, and you deprive that person of the opportunity to live in such a world, as well as others who are on your list. Isn't that so? So when consciousness says, oh, come on, how will I call and tell? Guys, what about the LGBT organization? A small organization that has attained its rights at the international level. Isn't that so? So they pursued their interests, which many do not understand and which are not accepted by the majority. But we, the entire majority, have submitted to the minority because they have the right for that. Yet doesn't the majority have the right to live well, to live worthy of a human being? And this is where the path begins. When we give ourselves the answer that we as the majority have the right to live well, we're human beings and we are worthy to live according to the high title of a human. Aren't we? We're not bogans, after all. Well, according to the Oxford Dictionary. Right? By the way, people also ask this question, speaking without censorship, how to unite? Who to unite with? With these bogans? With these alcoholics? Or these slackers? It's a good question. Idlers. Idlers. That's a good question. I've just said about the bogans and how this word is interpreted according to the Oxford Dictionary. Do you know how? Something to do with exploitation. Yes, it is. Bogans means people who are exploited, in a nutshell. Or more correctly, people exploited by those in power. Those in power are power, while the rest are bogans. Yes. Well, isn't that so? I just realize, and I'm thinking, aren't all of us today… So, I have a simple question. The one who is asking this question about who we should unite with, does he control the whole world or what? Or is he the same Bogan, just like all of us? Next, a very serious topic, alcoholics. Guys, without even going far, isn't an alcoholic a human being? Doesn't he go to elections and vote? Doesn't he give his vote to just anyone? to the one who steals from us, exploits us and makes bogans out of us. I'm just saying, 
Isn't that so? So maybe it's necessary to unite with them too. It doesn't mean to become an alcoholic oneself, but it's necessary to explain to him his rights and benefits. Won't an alcoholic want to do nothing and, if he wants to drink, let him drink, it's his right. But, again, they will say, in the creative society, there should be no poor people, and society should even support alkis. Support. Support alkis. Is it beneficial? Guys, is it beneficial? It's beneficial. Very beneficial. You cannot even imagine how beneficial it is. An alki still remains an alki, but he goes around and steals from us. He cheats us. Well, many of them even kill us in order to get drunk. So maybe it's easier to let him drink and to support him financially. This will be much cheaper. Why? Because in order to watch after these alkis, it is necessary to maintain a whole army of those who fight with them, those who try to treat, re-educate them and so on. That's a person's right to be an alki or not to be an alki. But if we look into the depth of this issue, why does a person become an alcoholic? After all, not a single human is born an alcoholic. He becomes one. Yes, there is an example which a person hasn't seen anything else. He lives among people who drink alcohol, and he is accustomed to it since childhood. Such a situation does happen, but it's extremely rare. Most often, alcoholics are people who have failed to implement their inner potential due to certain reasons. I will give you a simple example from healthcare. I know people who have become alcoholics and turned into nobody. Although in the beginning they were very talented, they had progressive ideas that could help humanity as a whole to cope with a lot of serious issues, including diseases and various pathologies. They found solutions that nobody needed. Why? And here's a very interesting answer as well. We often encounter a whole bunch of parasites, loafers, and human enemies whom we don't see and whom we sometimes worship. A simple example from real life. A person whom I know well achieved very little results in this life, in healthcare. While he was very talented, in his young age, he developed progressive technologies that turn out to be needless to anyone. Why? Because at the level of the academy he was, pardon me, crushed down since his works contradicted certain academicians who had once made a career on this subject. Just imagine an old man with overblown megalomania who once discovered something is standing in the way of advanced technology and youth. Is this right? And since this talented doctor faced the impenetrable wall, at this point he had a nervous breakdown. Well, and there were helping friends, you know, who were like, come on, drink and relax. He drank once, relaxed, drank the second time, and then he fell into illusion. While in the alcohol illusion he remains a hero, he sort of fulfills himself, and he no longer needs to build any career or anything else in his life, or to fight for something. Because he is in his illusion, he already believes that he's worth something and he has achieved everything. But when he sobers up, he looks at this world and understands that he is nobody. And that's the most terrible thing for an alcoholic. After all, there is no psychological reason to be dependent on alcohol. One or two days and that's it. A person is cleansed, alcohol is poison, and body doesn't tolerate it. However, there is a psychological problem, and it lies exactly in a person's megalomania, in his personal selfishness. When he's unable to attain something in reality, he begins to take alcohol, drugs, and various substances that bring him into a state of illusion, 
in this illusion is his parallel world where he's worth something. Just talk to alcoholics or look at them. When you're sitting at the same table, they are normal, sane people. They drink 50 to 100 grams each, and there begins transformations, such a mutation of humans into beasts, pridefulness, egoism, and then lower and lower, down to a brute that hates everyone and everything. Isn't that so? It is. And why? These are illusions. These very illusions which are imposed dominate them. It is simpler and easier for them to live there. While the reason is sometimes hidden not in alcoholics themselves, but in us, those who surround them, and in the consumerist format, where some people can dominate over others. Many will say, how come? In the creative society there won't be such things. Of course there won't be such things. Why? Because there is the electoral platform, and no one can stand in the way of talented people, and no one can do harm to us as society. If there can be benefit for us, humanity, from this, no human enemy should stand in the way because of his egoism. Why? Because no one will have power over us. There is a unified field where we can decide, and no one will be able to deceive. Many people will think right away, well, it's a field for deceit, it is actually possible. No, guys, there won't be deceit. There will be responsibility for an attempt to deceive and exploit people, and the responsibility will be serious. The animal mustn't dominate over people. Such a construct is right. Then the world will be wonderful, and then there won't be evil in this world. And having crossed the entire continent, whichever one you would be on, you will not encounter anything bad, and no one will insult you or rob you all the more. Right? right? People will say, they will insult. Yes, my friends, you mustn't even insult each other, because it's a manifestation of an animal, it is aggression which you must control. Whereas, if you don't control it, this means it dominates over you, hence you need help or health-improving measures. Only this way it will not work otherwise. Then we will bring up ideal people, and when we have ideal people, we will build an ideal society as the next step after the creative one, where human spirituality, ethical and moral values and everything else will predominate. Yet we have to begin in a transition period in the creative society, knowing and understanding and admitting all our vile qualities, honestly and openly, and to ensure that we cannot manifest them, that we can manifest only good human qualities. This is what we should encourage, and we should hold such people up as an example. And the mass media must show such people. However, mass media mustn't show how one person smashes another person's mug or something else, that's a show. In a show, two people start arguing, one hits the other in the face and so on, and a half of the world is watching, or a country is watching, the show generates ratings. Well, the right thing to do if someone hits someone else, even if there is the slightest bodily harm, even if he doesn't hit, but only raises his hand, there's already an aggression attempt. If a person manifests aggression towards another person, he encroaches on what is the most sacred in the world, on human life. Hence, he must bear, let's say, there is no bodily harm, there are no problems, there are manifestations. And manifestations are from what? From pridefulness. Hence, pridefulness must be destroyed. Pardon me, this person must clean public toilets for at least three months. Right? Right. Well, the talk show which has shown this must show during three months how he is cleaning toilets because they have let it on the air. This will drop their ratings. Yet, excuse me, they shouldn't build ratings on people's 
while quality is promoting and establishing them in everyone. It has to be understood how mirror neurons work in a human being and that we copy each other. If in a talk show one person insults or hits another, it means I can also do that. Then we see it in families and we see it in the streets and later on people say, where do we have so much evil from? But we are exactly the ones who create it, maybe it's enough. Let us show love, peace and decency. We shouldn't play with life. For instance, many people say, such is life, such is the game. The rules of the game. Guys, maybe let's not play. We must not play with life. Life should be lived and not played. It's baneful when someone plays us. There should be peace and order, love and respect. Right? Igor Mikhailovich, may I ask you another question? There is one more puzzle piece missing. Everyone wants free healthcare, but by what means will it be implemented in the creative society? Where to get the money from? Free healthcare means that all humankind provides for healthcare, education and everything else. That is, physicians should receive decent salaries, not less than they receive now. They should live perfectly when they are really physicians, while parasites should be removed. If we remove parasites from everywhere, then, excuse me, enormous funds will be released. Do you know how many parasites are in healthcare, in science? How many institutes we have in which, excuse me, real loafers and idlers are sitting, who do not contribute anything? What is science? Science is the factor of efficiency and improvement of our life quality. If we do not benefit from this science, we do not need it. If there is a researcher who doesn't contribute and doesn't improve our lives, he or she is not a researcher and should not be on our payroll. Isn't that right? It is. And how can it be otherwise? If a person has an idea, let's suppose, in that very science, and his scientific research qualitatively improves our lives, then he is a researcher. If it has improved our lives by a certain percentage, even by a tiny percentage of humanity as a whole, then he is entitled to a certain degree, no more, no less. But if he doesn't improve our lives, and if his science doesn't bring any benefits to us, then what degrees can he have? For what? For rewriting from one work into another? For inventing or describing something that nobody needs, which doesn't work and will never work? Yet he gets bonuses, receives salaries, he they become professors, academicians who, excuse me, stand in the way of really smart and talented people who have a lot of ideas, the ideas that can improve the quality of our life when implemented. These are objective things, therefore there should be no parasites. Any scientific work discussed in society, well, again, as it concerns all of humanity, this should be on the platform. Clearly, there will be associations of people who monitor it. A simple question, how much has his invention improved my life? To no extent, it has to be confirmed that it has improved it. If it has improved, in reality, and we have a better life, or healthcare has been improved, something else has been improved, then a person is entitled to some degree and incentive. But if it is not so, guys, what for? Just for nothing? Because he is a good person? Or he is so smart and cunning that he fooled everybody, he wrote a dozen articles, a couple of books that nobody has read, and nobody needs his invention, and he gets a degree for that? Come on, it is still a deceit, a lie, and again, it is consumption of funds, people's funds, public funds, and in this case, the funds of society, of each of us. It should not be like this, and it will not be so.
Why? Everything should be honest and simple. And what is the difference? Well, I understand, of course. Just imagine the level of a doctor of science or an academician in the creative society. This person should significantly improve the life of each of us, which will be improved for a very long time, and he should work for the benefit of humanity. Then he is worthy of it, so to say. But if not, then he is not. An ordinary person. What an ordinary person? What does it mean, ordinary? We are all ordinary and unordinary. Are there any unordinary people? Or how is that? With three hands or four noses? So that's an unordinary person. Nature has put an extra effort. While all the rest who, let's say, fit into natural anthropometry are ordinary people. So we shouldn't say ordinary or unordinary. We are all people. We are all the same. I think there are still a lot of questions. A lot. Let's proceed to the questions. Excuse me for such an introduction. But I guess now it is clear why and how we should unite. Isn't it, my friends? I'm saying again, we don't unite either wallets or refrigerators or nothing. Neither families, nor houses, nor gardens. No one should lose anything. We just get synchronized by investing our attention in one goal in order for us to do this. Can we do this? Easily, my friends. So we must do it. You have noted quite correctly regarding synchronization. There are a lot of experiments indicating that in nature, in numerous systems, there exists a synchronization effect. Of course. Which scientist Huygens discovered as long ago as in the 17th century. And he said he noticed this when observing wall clocks that began to work in unison over time. Several clocks. Right, several clocks. And they simply began to work in unison. He just ascertained that while standing on the same basis, they come into resonance. Pendulum. Meaning, onto one wave. Yes, electromagnetic resonance arises between two pendulums. Yes, and here's another interesting point. A lot of experiments were conducted on this basis, and attention was paid to it. So, my friends, I'll ask you a simple question. Just imagine, there is a platform, and there are two pendulums standing on it. They work asynchronously. And after a while, they begin to synchronize. It's clear that it's owing to the platform. And now the question. Imagine one platform with two pendulums, and another platform with ten pendulums. And all ten pendulums are working on their frequencies, meaning they're completely unsynchronous. Which of these systems will stabilize more quickly? And a resonance will begin. A simple question. What do you think? The one with ten pendulums. Yes, the one with ten pendulums, but consciousness says the one with two. Why? It will be faster for two pendulums than for ten. No, my friends. Ten pendulums come into resonance much faster than two. Again, regarding unification, if we take, for instance, that very Tsiolkovsky, right? Right. When two people unite, their aura. mental strength or aura is amplified seven times, yes? Isn't it interesting? And with each subsequent one, it is amplified even more. So, if there are three… It is raised to a power, in other words, if… Correct. If three people unite, it's already seven to the second power. Meaning, it is amplified 49 times. Of course. Isn't it interesting? But what's important is that it happens, let's say, on the same wave, and there should be one goal. It is very important. Certainly. And it's very important here. He also noted that there should be one idea, one goal, and our attention should come into it, meaning we should come into resonance for achieving one goal. This is what we are talking about when establishing a creative society. Our unification is only needed so that we all together put our attention into one goal and implement it. 
So we must resonate, not dissonate with each other, right? Then we will build it very easily and quickly. Everything depends, my friends, again, on our aspirations and on the power we invest. And human power, the true power, is in our attention. If we invest it there, but again, we invest it due to our desire to make the world a better place for ourselves. We do not contradict even those very patterns of consumerism. We want to create a beautiful, safe world for our children. This is a true legacy that we can leave for them. Isn't it so? We give them not only tomorrow, but also day after tomorrow. Isn't it worth it for us to spend a little time and attention on this? It is worth it, my friends. Life is worth it. Igor Mikhailovich, and how can we understand the words by Telkovsky? Because when using material consciousness, this sounds like science fiction, that two auras unite and everything is amplified seven times. It is power. How should we understand this? After all, the aura is such an unstable notion, which changes several times during a day yes. in human. Now you have touched a bit upon such metaphysical manifestations. Let me explain it to you in the language of physics. Just imagine, the maximum weight I can lift is 50 kilograms. Yes. And the maximum weight that you can lift is 50 kilograms. How much can you and I lift together? A simple question. What are our weightlifting limits? If we use math, then 100 kilograms. Yes, 100 kilograms, right? But I will tell you that you are wrong. Why? Because each of us can separately lift 50 kilograms, while together with you we can recall Archimedes, you understand, and activate our brains, as they say. We can recall the levers and lift tons together, isn't that right? Great. Great. And this is the power of unification, because we unite not only physically, but also mentally, spiritually and intellectually. It means that our capabilities increase many times. Is that right? And how important and valuable every subsequent person is, and how vital it is for a person to inform others. Very important. Every person is very important. Because the next person is not just plus one person. Because every person who begins to resonate with everyone amplifies this resonance. Many times. Many times. Right. Yes, there is also an example in physics when William Tiller conducted experiments on how the focus power of many people can affect matter. The power of attention. The power of attention, yes. William Tiller makes this analogy comparing the human power of thought to a 100-watt light bulb. There was also an experiment about a bulb. Not an experiment, but his statement that, let's suppose, a 100-watt bulb illuminates a room and doesn't give much light, but it contains such a power that if the work of all photons was synchronized, which, as he claims, are supposedly… In chaos, and hinder each other. Yes, and supposedly interfere with each other's work. If they were lined up to work in unison, they would not move chaotically, but in a strict direction, right? It is for people's understanding, because few people have heard about this statement of his. That is, he means that a beam of light comes out and photons fly in different directions, collide, interfere with each other and create chaos. But if they are pointed in rays, straight, in different directions, they will illuminate more… Like the sun. Yes, it is equal to the power of the sun and the like. I slightly disagree with this statement of his. The idea itself is good, but it does not correspond to the reality. Why? Because a hundred-watt bulb emits, unfortunately, not only photons 3, but also photons 4. It's already a latra physics, it does not correspond to the canons of conventional physics, so it won't go. But there is an essence here. I'll better give another example, which everyone can verify. Let's take… what do we need? A tape measure, 
a candle in absolute darkness, preferably somewhere in a field. It's a simple example that anyone can verify. Let's take one candle that can illuminate, for instance, 10 square meters. So we measure. We take one more candle. In theory, how many meters can we illuminate? 20 square meters, right? Right. However, if we put them to be in unison and gradually move them apart, we increase the area to 40 or even more, up to 50 square meters of illumination. How can this be? It violates the laws of physics. Whoever wants to can verify that. Meaning, there is synchronization of light of the photon. So, thanks to the experiment of this man mentioned by Jana, he came to such a conclusion that the candle synchronizes faster, but if the photon in the light bulb was synchronized, it would be similar to a huge because such a huge power is radiated. Indeed, a lot of photons radiate, but those are a bit different photons. And the point is that a human is capable of a lot, his strength… A human is really capable of a lot, that's true. Yes, by means of his experiments, he's trying to prove that people can change a lot of things around them. A lot, indeed a lot. Especially when people invest their attention in one goal, a lot of miracles and a lot of unexplainable things happen, right? And such examples are also numerous. Yes, indeed, such examples are numerous. For instance, since the 1960s, American scientists have been conducting a lot of experiments on the influence of the power of thought on material substances. And one of such experiments was an experiment on affecting water pH, meaning it was necessary to increase it. They gathered four experienced meditators, people who were experienced by their inequalities. Meditators, my friends, are people who engage in meditative practices. Yes, quite right. These are people who work on themselves, who know how to control thoughts. They were supposed to influence an electric box by putting there the intention of increasing the pH of water that was near the box. In other words, the impact was not on the water itself, but on the box, which would subsequently affect the water. Yes, on the electric box that was allegedly supposed to preserve this intention. Yes, there was such an experiment. Yes. After the experiment with the box was conducted, the box was packed in foil and sent to another laboratory, 2,000 miles away, to check how the impact of the electric box on the water, which was already there, I mean, at a distance, would change. The experiment was conducted at a distance from those meditators. Yes, whether that information would be preserved. And for how long it would affect the water, right? Yes, absolutely right. It turned out that the experiment lived up to expectations and, moreover, preserved this intention. It even exceeded the expectations. Exceeded, right, and preserved. For several years it continued to affect the pH of water. Yes, quite right. If I remember correctly, right? Yes. By the way, it's a very interesting experiment, and we didn't conduct it, perhaps as an option. We can repeat it. Yes, how… It's also interesting. How much depends on people synchronizing their work? A lot depends, of course. And it has been proved that the pH of water increases both during the experiment and at a distance, and that for a human intention, in principle, space and time as such do not really matter, because the field which was embedded by people was working much longer. The power of their attention. The power of their attention, yes. As a matter of fact, today, we don't know, I mean, from the perspective of science, a human is far from being explored, and his abilities are not explored, while human abilities are actually tremendous. After all, so many experiments have been conducted and demonstrated, even on Alatra TV, 
For example, when a person deflects a laser beam, by what? By the power of his attention. After all, this actually violates all laws of physics. This is impossible. Or let's take, for instance, the guys who have demonstrated, when they synchronously invest attention in that very telekinesis, yes? Or teleportation of a punch at a distance. After all, these are all facts, which absolutely violates all laws of physics. But this only indicates that there are such people nowadays. Basically, there have always been such people, with such abilities. All this has been used from time immemorial. But if we cannot explain it from the perspective of science, it is easier to keep silent about it and say that it doesn't exist, right? Although, the power of human attention is tremendous. That's really so. A human can influence many things. If he invests this power properly, if he knows that he has it and can use it. It's just also very interesting regarding synchronization that nowadays ancient constructions are found which scientists actually associate with Schumann resonances, with the fact that in ancient times synchronization of people occurred, and these constructions which have the shape… Places where people tried, well, yes. not tried, but they really entered a certain resonance, meaning it was a synchronization right. of their inner vibrations. Yes. That exists, of course. Yes, meaning these domes. For certain purposes. It's not the topic of our conversation, but it is interesting. Yes, it is just interesting that the power of synchronization and joint efforts of people can influence many things. Very many things. I'll put it this way. Thank God, in the consumerist format, we don't know much and we forgot a lot of things. Igor Mikhailovich, can people influence climate change? In particular, there is a theory which says that psychic energy of a human can influence seismic activity. Let's recall that from time immemorial there were people who were considered saints, let's say, in India and many other places who, if they settled in some region, it was sort of a benefit for those people who lived in that region. Why? Because climatic events passed them by. There are actually lots of such examples. Therefore, people tried to please those saints in every way, so that, God forbid, they wouldn't go away. They cared about having the saints with them. That is why rain came in time. And there were no cataclysms and everything else, including seismic activity in dangerous, seismically hazardous regions. If such a saint settled there, it abated. Question, why? Was that saint so powerful? What is the mechanism, in your opinion? No, my friends, it's just that fate in this person united those people who lived in this locality, and they already invested the power of their attention in an idea that everything would be fine. So, not only the saint already was involved, he was merely the one who sort of united and synchronized the attention and powers of other people, who used this tool without even knowing how to use it. However, today we certainly have cyclicity in climate change, it's a global system. But, friends of mine, I'll disclose a big secret, it is possible to influence the global system by a global unification, yet globally. No matter how individuals train themselves, nothing will work. This concerns everyone. If 
Previously, it concerned a certain region. The region could, somehow, correct the situation. But at the current moment, unfortunately, it is cycle, while cycle is globality. And here, everyone is globally needed in order to do something. Yet, if we find strength in ourselves, we will be able to build a creative society, we will be able to focus on the future and work on ourselves a little bit, then we will be able to do that as well. We will be able to turn everything back and to resolve climatic problems. We can do it. Such things did happen in the history of humanity. If somebody could, why cannot we do that? What hinders us except our disbelief and our fears, except our laziness? After all, again, people most often stop due to laziness, finding some excuses like, why I don't engage in development of, let's say, that very creative society, why I traitly don't notify someone, and what do I need it for? Let others do that, right? And so, one or two of such lazy bones who don't want to do something for themselves and for their descendants, they stop the global system of development of the entire humanity, and humanity does not evolve. Yet there should be evolutionary development, and we should already be, at least we were supposed to have passed the first stage, but we haven't passed it. We are even far from reaching its middle. However, if we want to, we can make a giant leap and, let's say, jump over to the first stage. Well, the first development stage, my friends, is a tremendous evolutionary leap in the technological process, in science, everywhere and in everything. It is free energy and many other things. In other words, what is now considered to be science fiction can become reality, and everything depends on each of us. How many stages are there, in fact? You just said that we are on the way to the first stage. All in all, humanity has six of them. Do you mean the Kardashev scale? No. Kardashev heard the song, but got it wrong. He described what was known to humanity since the beginning of time. He described it a little in his understanding, trying to figure it out, and already went beyond such a point that… I'll put it as follows, what Kardashev described, the development of civilization, he was even too modest. Meaning, humanity can learn something much greater. Yes, this is science fiction. I don't even want to talk about it now. Why? Because… People will consider that we are engaged in writing a new science fiction novella about the future here. Well, yes, basically, if we refer to those problems which exist, then space race, Star Wars, only this is so far… Star Wars and all the rest, this is such a thing. It's just that everything that used to be science fiction in the past and what was called utopia, now we are actively using it. Absolutely right. Therefore, it is stupid when they say that, for instance, the creative society is a utopia, because perhaps… The creative society cannot be a utopia. Exactly. Why? Because it's an absolute reality. And it should be approached sensibly, reasonably, and in a balanced manner, right? While all utopias that very communism and many other things, that very utopia became a utopia. Why? Because power remained in the hands of a few individuals. This was, pardon me, the reason for the utopia. So, we want to give everything to people. Again, we want to equalize everyone. Guys, is it possible to equalize everyone? A simple question. It's impossible. A person should have an opportunity. Yes, in the creative society, we should be socially protected. There should be no poor people. Everyone should have a home. 
sufficient food, medical services, clothes, everything should be available. It should be there simply by the right of birth. A person should be absolutely socially protected, definitely, but if he wants to live better, he must go and work for the benefit of humanity. Is that right? It's right. I've just recalled that many utopians, when they were generating their ideas, were simply sitting and waiting that they would be promoted and funded from the top. Nobody will fund it from the top, by no means. That's utopia. Now it's clear why this has turned out to be a utopia. That's a utopia. No one will ever finance such ideas as the creative society or something else. And no one will help from the top. This is precisely, so to say, this is just to make it clear, a little different pyramid. Say, we have the pyramid of power. And now, turn it over in your head and imagine, people are at the top, while executors are at the bottom. That's how it should be. Whereas we have it a little bit different now, in the way we are accustomed to see it. At the top, there are those who rule, they issue orders, but they also take all the benefits for themselves. While all benefits should belong to people, everyone should be endowed with benefits. It was interesting what you once said that people sort of go into power, or rather go into politics, with good intentions to help us, but suddenly one day… And then everyone becomes the same, right? Even at the beginning of our conversation we said that no matter what kind of a good person we take, it's enough to put him in power, and he becomes the same as everyone. Why? Because such is the law, my friends. Whatever way you twist it, yet by killing a dragon, a person becomes a dragon. That's the point. It's just that there is a scientific confirmation of this point. In particular, there was a research in Ontario, when neurobiologists studied the brain of a person who had been in power for a long time. And it was also interesting that they noted that when people are in power for a long time, changes occur in their brain. In particular, a certain neural process of mirroring becomes weaker, which directly affects mirror neurons, and the person simply doesn't experience some region that is responsible for human qualities and empathy, right? Right. They don't feel empathy at all. What kind of emotions they experience? Another person's empathy. Mirror neurons are affected, so a person ceases to sympathize and stops learning. Mm -hmm. Why are these mirror neurons deactivated? Even whole groups are deactivated there. It's because a person is in the state of pridefulness, he believes that he has excelled everyone, and he just doesn't have anyone to learn from. He himself is an example, and there is pridefulness, megalomania, and many other things. Therefore, naturally, that very empathy is simply… Disrupted. Disrupted, of course. Interaction with those people who, from among whom he came, and ascended to this, so to say, throne, a huge chasm is formed. A person starts thinking already in different categories. There are more serious tasks, and naturally, whether they want it or not, such people begin to spare a lot of time for themselves. And most of their time and thoughts circle around their personal selfishness and pridefulness. This is really so. Why? Because as soon as these processes take place, which this fellow wrote about, thoughts immediately start circling around selfishness. And everything is measured with respect to oneself, but not with respect to someone else. Unfortunately, yes, the position is like that. So they cannot even understand what people need. Certainly, because consciousness switches to other things. That's how a human is arranged, this is his function. This should be known and understood. Therefore, we should fight for people not to be ill. 
We should create conditions in which a person will not suffer that much, right? And everything will be fine. Not to spoil people. Yes, people shouldn't be spoiled. In psychology, there is even a term, illusion of objectivity. When a person loses the real picture of the world and everything begins to circle sort of around him. This is precisely what is described. Right. Forms of manifestation are different. But in this case, it is exactly like a mechanism. When a person reaches the highest power, he loses. Why does arise such a gap? Why did we vote for one person and he was good? But after coming to power, he sharply changes. And everyone notices what kind of changes occur. Already with difficulty, he has to play the one whom he was. And this is exactly due to this mechanism. This is normal, these are the laws of nature. There is nothing terrible here. But we should take care of people. If we elect someone, we should elect him not in order for him to rule us, but in order for him to execute our will, right? Then everything will be fine. Then a person is simply at work, and he understands perfectly well that this is his job, no more, no less. We should protect people. Yes. At some moment, it becomes clear why people who come into power… You know, there is a textbook example. It is very impressive for understanding what happens to these people. It's a reality. Everyone remembers a great patriotic war, the siege of Leningrad. There was such a city that was under a blockade. People were dying of starvation and the like. So, there was one party official who was a leader of the Communist Party, and he monitored the order there. And for him to think well and correctly, when people ate corpses, they ate one another, they starved. It's true. It's a sad truth. His usual favorite cakes were cooked for him, so that it would be easier for him to think about how to inspire and support people. Can you imagine? In other words, he did not lose anything. Even there he lived as he was used to. World War II. The city of Leningrad was under blockade for 872 days from 1941 to 1944. From the memories of eyewitnesses who are near the ruling clique of besieged Leningrad, the overwhelming majority of Leningrad citizens died of starvation and not from military operations. Hundreds of thousands of corpses of people who died of starvation were just lying in the streets of Leningrad. People were in a state of extreme malnutrition. Already in the first months of the siege, hundreds of people were arrested for killing people to eat the meat of their bodies. At a time when the citizens of Leningrad ate dogs, cats, rats, killed adults and children and ate their corpses, the ruling clique in particular the first secretary of the Leningrad Regional and City Committees of the CPSU, Andrej Danov, as well as his henchmen, didn't refuse themselves anything, neither smoked sausages nor favorite cakes. Thus, for the owner of the city, Comrade Danov, his favorite cakes were specially made so that it would be easier for him to think about ordinary citizens of the city. After the siege of Leningrad and up to this day, historiography is trying to turn inconvenient reality, the truth about power, into a myth. But 
Look yourselves at the photos of those years. This is the owner of the Leningrad and his retinue representing the power. And these are the ordinary citizens of Leningrad. Make your own conclusions. That's the difference, and that's what they go there for. Not to take care of someone or do anything else, but to eat their favorite cakes, even when everyone is starving. This is how the world is being shaped. We ourselves corrupt and actually sort of punish these people this way. We punish those people ourselves, we literally deprive them of life and humanness. When we endow them with the great power, Therefore, we shouldn't be surprised or offended. On the contrary, such people should be saved. And the way of salvation is one. Imagine, let's say, someone should be a representative, even in the creative society, at the first stages of its building. Let's start, we'll repeat it again. The first stage is informing people. The next stage is already building the electoral platform. Many enthusiasts, I understand, will immediately begin to make this platform to think, guys, First of all, we need to think and invest attention in how we all together can unite faster. And when we are, as we said, more than 50% of the electorate in one or another country, only then we should make the electoral platform and register people on it already. No need to run before the hounds. And then there is already the next one, then there is already the political stage an incorporation of the eight foundations into the Constitution, and deciding already at the legislative level how to implement it all in stages, correctly and without rush. So when they rush and say, what is this informing for? Let's immediately write laws. This is… Nobody needs those laws. It will be worthless. Of course, people have a right to discuss it now and how it can be in a creative society. To hold meetings of experts, it is sort of preparation, a basis which might be necessary. In the subsequent adoption of some or other laws in building the creative society itself. But for now, the most important thing is informing people, notifying each and everyone. And the greater number of people are involved in solving this issue, the faster it all will be implemented. Why? Together we can do a lot. Our attention has great power. This is really so. And just imagine when we have built a developed creative society, even in one particular country, we haven't fully established it yet. Like we said, it's impossible to build it in one particular country. However, a lot of laws are adopted based on the eight foundations and everything is developing. Yet somebody has to represent the country somewhere. Therefore, there should be, for example, that very representative of the people, even if he is the president. But he performs what people want. Does such a person need security? Does he need 200 people to go everywhere with him? No, he is just like us. It is simply his job, pardon me, like any other job. He goes there and says, people want the following. Yes, he represents the country, but he represents people and their decision, and he can live freely. He doesn't need to Forgive me for the details, but before he enters a toilet, some professionals must examine it so that, God forbid, anything… Can you imagine such life? It's not life, a person literally puts himself in prison, under guard, and he's guarded everywhere. 
24 hours a day. He has this ceases to be life. It's a lot of problems, and everyone hates him. Isn't it so? To live in hatred under guard in order to earn some penny. For God's sake! In such self-isolation. After all, talented people can earn more, and in an easier way, and without any isolation, without anything. Isn't it great when he can go to a store or somewhere else, everyone greets him, everyone knows him, and he represents people, but no one is threatening him? I think it is also great, right? Isn't it a salvation for this person? It is a salvation. It's an excellent answer to the question why it is beneficial to those very politicians or those in power. Indeed, precisely for this reason too, which has just been voiced. For the reason of freedom and life. Because they retain their freedom, they retain their life. They live like normal people. And this is wonderful. And they merely do the job, they communicate people's decision. Simply. They are not responsible for what people adopt. Today, it is possible to influence a politician or create some kind of a threat to him. He will adopt one or another law under pressure, or he will vote for something, or he can be bribed to vote for something. But not here, a nation has decided, and that's it. On that very electoral platform, what the nation wants is carried out. What the nation has decided, politicians must carry out. This is a beautiful society. But in this society, my friends, there is one huge disadvantage. There is no one to blame. After all, it's us who adopted everything, right? Well, now, out of habit we say, who is to blame? The one whom we elected is the one to blame, but we forget that we elected him. So who is to blame, him or us? And we don't want to blame ourselves. Now we have someone to blame, but then there will be no one. It's a big disadvantage for our habitual consciousness. And do you know what else is really great about this electoral platform? No corruption will actually be possible. It will be impossible to make any mistakes or anything else. Why? Because everything is open, everything is publicly available, people see everything, and people make decisions. That's why all appointments for executing certain positions or something else, it's people who make decisions about everything. That's why an executive is just an executive. He cannot add or remove anything on his own behalf, because people see everything. And if he goes against people, he is immediately responsible to people. Again, the platform is not only for adopting laws, but also for discussing them. If there is some kind of corruption or something else, it is immediately submitted for review. Or, as in the example I gave about the doctor, when an academician opposed, excuse me, if someone like him opposes, well, this is very beneficial for us, then this academician retires and he is held responsible for what he has done, meaning such parasites are no longer needed. Sort of people's control, right? This is a real, this is not people's control, this is people's life. This is all people's life, this is our life. And we should be responsible for it, because we build it for ourselves. And this is our home, not somebody else's. And we are neither guests nor in slavery here. Then we stop being bogans and become humans. Just look how simple it is. Everything depends on us. And we exercise our constitutional rights in practice. Of course. Is it complicated? Absolutely not complicated. It is very easy to draw. I mean, there isn't some kind of a distant, complex goal of building the creative society. Well, here there isn't. When there are stages which every stage is possible to implement, it's absolutely achievable. Absolutely realistic. And there is already an understanding of what needs to be done. To so, start small. Yes. To start with simple elementary things. There should be prudence in all this, first and foremost. 
and a step-by-step -step approach, one shouldn't run before the hounds, it's pointless. Everything should be done in a timely manner and the way it should be, meaning just like all normal civilizations have done it, in the same way we should repeat this path, and that's it, isn't that so? Of course it is. Then everything will be fine. Yes, really, it's time not to be primates anymore, let's say, but to become people, because at the lowest… Excuse me, it varies among primates too. Now we exist as the lowest primates, mm -hmm. yes? Where there is one leader and the like, while if we take the highest primates… There are such coalitions, similar to unions. There are groups, coalitions and the like. Many will say, we also have coalitions and groups now. We do have, but not in all countries. Some countries have evolved to the highest primates, while others have remained at the level of the lowest primates. With one leader in the pack, and that's it. And his opinion is the law. Well, isn't it so? Let's honestly say that we have remained primates to this day, haven't we, my friends? In one form or another, we are still primates. It's time to become humans. Let's roll up our sleeves, recall our contacts, all our acquaintances, and just talk. Without shyness. We have a good example, you know, such a thought has now come. That it's not in vain that these representatives of LGBT, of these minorities, have overcome such a difficult path in their formation. They have actually done this for us, my friends. They showed us a great example. They were not shy about it and succeeded. If they were not shy about defending their rights as a minority before the majority and succeeded in that, we the majority, for the sake of a beautiful, creative society, a simply great idea, we have nothing to be shy about, isn't that so? After all, we want it for everyone, including them. So they served as a wonderful example for us, we have something to learn. Yes, so when a question is asked, do you need it more than anyone else? Of course we do. Of course we this do. This is our world, the world This is our world, this is our life, this is our, our future. We ourselves want to live in this society. This is the future of our children, how come when we don't need it? When atmosphere improves, when you live, of course. where you don't have to fill out a lot of papers. Papers and documents. Papers and documents. When you're a human being, first of all. When you, yes. When your life is valued, and you value the lives of others, then the world is beautiful and free, right? Don't we need it more than everybody else? Of course we do. And you can ask that person a question, don't you need it, my friend? Are you against your children? Excuse me, are you against my children living well? I will rephrase the question. If you are against the creative society, that means you don't want sick children to be cured for free. Don't you want children to be healthy? Don't you want to have preventive care? Don't you want us all to live well and to be free? Who are you then? Just address this question to someone who asks questions like, do you need it more than anyone else? Or who says, I'm not interested in it. Are you not interested in the future of my family, my children? Are you not interested in the future of your children? Then who are you? Are you a human being? Just ask yourself the question. Well, isn't it right? It is incomprehensible. Only… Human enemies can really say this. You see, even animals will not say this, it seems to me. Those are obvious enemies of society, of humanity, and of everything else. Even drug addicts and alcoholics will not say so, it seems to me. It's not that it seems to me, but it is really so. Those could be only sick and selfish people. I don't even have words, I don't want to offend anyone. 
my friends, but this question is absolutely inhuman. In the beginning, people can have misunderstandings of what the Creative Society is. For this purpose, we should work, explain and tell what the Creative Society is, as well as we show easy ways and examples of how to unite and what is necessary to start with. So, we've precisely mentioned and shown how to do this. On, on the Alatra Unites platform. The Alatra Unites platform, yes, like for a start, at least to begin with something. And then more. Right. Is it really difficult? It's not difficult. Everyone has acquaintances and friends all over the world. Let's communicate with them and not be shy. But if we see that people don't need this, really don't need this, people don't want it, then the world has gone insane. However, the paradox is that it's impossible. Don't we want to live? Then why we are fighting for life? Isn't that so? Where are our instincts, reflexes and everything else? No, people do want to live, and they want to live decently, as humans. We should just apply a little bit of effort. We should explain to people that only together, in a global union, we can resist global problems. We don't have any other way, friends. Remember the previous video. It's not a scary story. I'm saying again, it is objectivity, it is reality. But we can, if we want to. As Tsiolkovsky said, only those can enter the Golden Age who will be able to unite and who will learn to unite. The Golden Age will be able to come only when and if we are able to unite. And the most interesting thing is that nothing stands in our way except foolishness. Nothing. This is beneficial for everyone. It's just beneficial to all. And it even fits into our consumerist model, which we are now living in, into the habitual model of consumption, because we want to ensure that it is more beneficial for us, both economically and in all other aspects in terms of human life. It will be more beneficial. Some people will nitpick. We actually said in the previous videos, how come it's more beneficial if I run a red light and then have to clean public toilets for three months instead of paying a fine and driving on. It's not beneficial. Consciousness may pick on that. Yet now let's consider this from a different side, from a driver's perspective. You commit a usual offense, you exceeded a speed limit, where it is forbidden, you run a red light, when nobody's around and you are forced, without any alternative, to clean public toilets and even to wear a special vest, so that it would be obvious that you are an offender, your pridefulness and selfishness are beaten, it's inadmissible, it is belittling a person. There is an alternative — to work for the society in isolation, like an animal at the zoo, to work, I emphasize, not just to sit. Well, it's better to clean toilets for three months, at least for two or three hours a day at the time, free from work. That's unfair and cruel. And now, let's consider this from another perspective. Your child is walking on a road crossing, and a hooligan, a hero, who wanted to run a red light, hasn't noticed him. Your child isn't aware of anything at that moment, and is just crossing when there is the green light, without violating anything. What do you think of such a situation? What would you do to this driver? So, in order for you not to manifest your beastly qualities and not to be forced to do anything to anyone, you shouldn't run a red light. 
neither to violate speed limit. After all, speed limits, especially in inhabited localities, all these are rules written with somebody's blood. These are the rules for which someone has paid with their life. And now imagine, when you speed up where it's not appropriate, you cannot control the car, no matter how good it is, to an extent that it would guarantee safety. Somebody's child can actually spring out, and a fatal accident can happen. And what if your child springs out? It's unpleasant, isn't it? In the same way, to use full language or to manifest emotion at someone, this is punishable. Friends of mine, I'll tell you an example which I observed in a supermarket. We were standing near the cash desk and just several people before me. There was a cheerful, drunk man with relevant goods. Apparently, he really wanted to consume more alcohol as soon as possible. They had some snacks with them too. The cashier lingered a little bit. She was scanning his purchases, failed to do that automatically, and had to enter codes manually. So this man, who obviously poorly controlled himself, but was really hurrying to bring the purchases of alcohol to his friends, began to insult her. She reacted quietly, meaning very modestly, and this enraged him even more. We certainly calmed this fellow down, and he went outside to wait. But what's the point? Everything we could do was to simply lead him out of the store. And that's it, and he remained unpunished. He went to a neighboring store, did the shopping there, and nothing happened to him, so to say. While in the creative society, he would have to sweep and clean this store for a long time, and to sweep and clean the parking lot in front of the store in order for everyone to see what kind of a hero he actually is. It's unfair, isn't it? The cashier lingered while he was in a hurry. Now imagine, your mother or your daughter is sitting at the cash desk, and there approaches this alcohol abuser in a deranged state, who begins to insult your mother or your daughter for no reason. Would you like that? A simple example, just look how everything appears, right? Depending on what perspective we look from. Meanwhile, my friends, we should look from a human perspective. A human must not stoop to being an animal. He mustn't. If he stoops to being an animal, hence, the attitude to him should be as to an animal, until he becomes a human. Isn't that right? And everyone must be taught not to behave like that, if we want to live in a wonderful world and respect one another. That is why we say that we should build a creative society during one generation, in order for the next generation to grow up already in different conditions. For them it will be acceptable and normal, while we will remember that it is possible in a drunken state to insult a person, and there will be no punishment. In our subconscious we will have such examples which we have imbibed owing to mirror neurons, whereas in the creative society this is forbidden. Let it be difficult for us, but for the next generation it will be easy and natural, right? Great. That's the way it should be, friends. We should remain humans. And we can do it. Igor Mikhailovich, speaking of the fourth stage of building the creative society, when we enter the international level, well, yes. people will come up with questions. Isn't this actually 
Doesn't it threaten statehood? Aren't the borders of countries violated this way? It's a good question, and it is frequently asked, meaning whether we happen to encroach on statehood, on borders and on something else. But it's up to people to decide, not up to us. As they decide, with preservation of borders, without preservation of borders, states or not states, that's the way it will be. It's up to people to decide. I'll tell you even more. Nowadays, we have enough countries in which there are kings, queens and the like, right? Kings. Monarchies. Monarchies and the like. Will there be monarchy or not? Many people will say, it's inadmissible. But if we think it over, today monarchies are already a tradition. After all, there are parliaments where laws are adopted and everything else, yet people will adopt laws and rule their lives, people themselves. Well, monarchies are a tradition. I don't know, in my personal view, all our traditions should be preserved, all our history should be preserved. Everything best and wonderful, that which inspires people, should be preserved. That's my opinion. Here, recalling the previous video, when we were talking about three and a half billion people who can move from their places. And so a question arises, will there be borders at all in the present-day climatic situation? People will decide. Let's say, if we digress from philosophy, after all, we are considering building the creative society in ideal conditions, those which we have now, if we are on time. But if we are not on time, I have a simple question. Even migration of three and a half billion people, of a part, or a half of the planet, to the other half, will that preserve your borders, your rights and your states? That's the answer for you, my friends. And it's not us who forecast. Sorry, this is what scientists say. They have estimated that in 50 years, three and a half billion people will start migrating. They will be forced to. And there's a simple question, will they be aggressive or not? Both those who migrate from one side to another and those who host, they will be aggressive. In the consumerist world, they will be very aggressive. And it is unknown what this will end with. The point is just that, and what I can really say today, it won't happen in 50 years. In 50 years there will be no one to go from one territory to another, because there will be no one and nowhere to go. Everything will happen much faster. Unfortunately, this is true. But it is possible to change everything. I recall that even from the perspective of Christianity, from the perspective of religion, people should not just passively wait for a cataclysm or something else to come. But as of today, in that very Christianity, many people say, yes, it will happen, but we must sit and wait, because it is God's punishment and it's wonderful. And we are such believers. God loves us so much, such loafers, idlers and lazybones who do nothing, sit and wait for God's punishment for others, and we will enter paradise. Well, He will punish the rest. Isn't it a Christian position today in some… Organizations. Let's say, organizations. It is. But it is totally wrong. Wrong, of course. Who needs loafers and idlers? For what? For not doing anything? For not serving God? Will God take Him to heaven? I'll give you a simple example. Imagine, there are two people. Well, you're a wealthy man do a lot of good things and don't have time to do something at home. And one person comes to help you, while other one walks, proudly looking down on you, and is sick of you. So, if there is a need to help, whom will you help? 
The one who comes to help you or the one who proudly turns away, why should he help you? Well, such a simple example. Who has deserved love and respect? The one who serves God and fights for every soul here? Or the one who idles about and thinks that he is already a priori worthy of being taken by God because he does nothing, and he is lazy because God should love him? Should love… for what? For idleness? For laziness? For pleasing the devil with his thoughts? Forgetting about God? For treating God in a consumerist way? A simple question. Let's be honest in this point as well. God is loving, He loves everyone, whom He knows. Well, He knows only those who love Him and serve Him. That's the answer for you, my friends. So, my friends, let's love each other. Let's start with something simple and move towards something greater. Out of love and respect for each other, thank you for being with us. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, friends, too.